All right. We are live. Now we have nothing to say. <laughs> you have to promise. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to The Dad Bod, a podcast that tells the story of what it means to be a dad today, one dad at a time. My name is Sean, and I'm a dad living in New York City with my wife and our two young native New Yorkers. The formula for The Dad Bod is simple. Each episode, we're going to interview one dad to get his story of being a dad. Over time, all these stories will start to create the bigger story of what it means to be a dad today. The dads that we interview will be regular, everyday dads. And one requirement for every interviewee is that they recommend another dad that they think would be great for the show. I think we'll start to see a pretty cool dad bod tree start to take shape after a while. So to get this thing started, I invited Brian, my best friend from our childhood days in Phoenix, to be the first guest. Brian currently lives in LA with his wife and their two daughters, ages 11 and 8. Even though we live on opposite coasts and struggle to find time to even catch up over the phone, we were actually able to do this interview live and in person in Austin, Texas, where we met for our annual Best Buds trip. Big, big thanks to our wives for supporting this trip every year. I had a great time interviewing Brian. As you'll notice from background noise in the audio, we did the first part of the interview in the car on our way to the San Antonio for the Spurs game, and the second part of the interview at the airport while waiting for our flights. In our conversation, Brian shares some really great insights from his life as a girl dad, especially from his experience coaching his two girls basketball teams. On this topic, I really appreciate, and I think you will too, how open and honest Brian was in evaluating his own performance as a coach. Although he's talking about coaching his daughter, what Brian shares is very relatable to the experience of parenting in general. We also get into the topic of money and the wisdom and perspective that Brian is trying to pass on to his daughters, as well as Brian's reflections on his own dad's parenting. Brian also shares some practical notes and perspective about how he maintains his dad bod and how he's still playing basketball in his 40s. As you'll hear, Brian's still getting lots of buckets, so I try to stir up some controversy to see if he thinks he should be the league MVP. Okay, enough talking now. Let's get to episode number one. Brian, Coach Girl Dad. Give me an intro. Who are you? Okay. What's your, give me your little bio. Let's get some context. All right, great. Well, thanks for having me on the show, Sean, <laughs> if I can call you that. Uh, my name is Brian, and uh, I'm a father of two, two girls. I'm a girl dad, uh, ages 11 and 8. Um, live in Pasadena, California. Um, yeah, so married with two kids. I'm an optometrist, so professional. Um, we own our practice, so we're like small business owners also. What do you like about what do you like about being girl dad? Ooh, uh, I don't know what it's like to have boys, but um, it's funny because we thought we would want one of each, and then we got two, and you know, quite happy with how life turned out. Um, I like the sweetness of girls. You know, the fact that they're different than us, I really love, and and yeah. actually learning because when we were boys, we didn't know like I see like these kids don't know how to interact with the opposite sex, right? Yeah. So right when we were kids, we don't know how to have fun, how to joke, how to play with girls. Right. Um, yeah. So that's something that's a little bit different. Right? right. Right. So like what's been surprising for you as 
a girl dad like what is what are you, are you doing stuff that that you didn't kind of realize you you'd be doing uh, I think the main the where it comes in the most is is with sports. Uh, I like coach soccer. I don't know anything about soccer. I've coached softball when we dabbled with that because I, I liked being around my kids and the other kids too. It's just a fun fun way of being with them. Yeah, you know, like doing something and teaching something. Um, so I did it. Um, yeah, just for enjoyment. So what? Um, give me the details. Like what what teams have you? coach what are you coaching now like what uh, like which sports yeah um, the, the yeah. two sports I know the most is basketball and volleyball um, you played yes yeah so I played a lot of basketball growing up uh, and then highest level was high school varsity and then um, just kept playing I've been playing it through adulthood like I paused a little bit um, when I had kids and when they were young young like I, I didn't feel right just going to the gym and playing basketball for fun. Yeah, uh, I felt okay going to work out, exercise, but I didn't feel right. For, right, to, to just <laughs> too much enjoyment. You're enjoying yourself out. too much. Yeah, <laughs> too much enjoying too much time. Yeah, because it could be like, oh, you're waiting for your spot on the court, and then you're winning, and then you're like, want to keep playing because you're winning, but yeah. then you have this guilt about not being home and not helping with the right. little kids, uh, little like especially when they're small. On the flip side, I think also the. The positive thing though is like men, we need outlets and enjoyment too, right? Yeah. So you can't just like be like, oh, I'm a dad, and so I can't do anything fun. Yeah. Like so, you know, when possible, it is good, right, to hang out with your friends or definitely um, or um, or play basketball, for example. Yeah. Because it's good for your mental and like social health. So now you're playing again, right? Yeah, still playing. Um, yeah. So now that the kids are older, then I'm like just more free to be able to play and. And I'm not missing as much at home. And then, yeah, it's it's really great because it, it keeps me active. And so, I, I, for me, I can't just play basketball. I have to train. Otherwise, I have no wind. I don't have enough cardio yeah. to run back and forth, back and forth on the court. So, I'm forced to do cardio because I wouldn't normally do that. Right. I wouldn't just go pound the pavement yeah. or hit the treadmill just because. You didn't used to do cardio, right? You're, I don't think of you as somebody who does cardio. Correct, yeah. Like, I was active enough that I didn't need to. That's just the act of playing or practicing <clears> is enough. Um, and now I have to. Yeah. Because, well, you have to yes. because you want to like be good at basketball. Correct, correct. Yeah, Like because I'm... AA, when I first started playing, let's say in 2018, I was playing in a 35 and older league. I think that was, I just had to hit 35. And like literally just a few times down the court I'm already dying I'm like sucking wind yeah and then secondly when in basketball like if you don't have your wind like you you see the ball and you're like I can't jump right or like because if I like yeah you just can't or you see a loose ball and you like can't get to it yeah and not not even because you you don't like physically can't jump or physically can't lunge it's that there's no energy there to to make that move yep yeah. So you have to have your win in order to, to elevate or to, to sh- you know, to make sudden quick movements. So are you, like, you're, how often are you working out nowadays? Um, let's see. I probably do, so I probably do cardio two, maybe three times a week, and then lifting um, maybe three times a week. So it's, it's like maybe doing something active maybe okay. six days a week. So, um, cardio treadmill usually? 
Um, I'll do I do two versions. Like um, I'll run outside as a cardio. I'll run a mile or to two miles, and then um, sometimes I vary myself. Like I'll do kind of um, interval, so yeah. I'll like speed up to get to that bridge. Okay, and then kind of slow it down, or there's shade there, just to kind of like challenge myself, just so it's not like the single pace. Yeah, because um, basketball is not like that, and then. Or I'll like actually. So my gym is l- maybe half a mile from my home. Okay. So I I always run to the gym. Okay. Like nice. I never drive there, so I'll get a like mini cardio before I'm even at the gym. Yeah. And then yeah. So how would you how would you compare like, are you in? How good a shape are you in relative to like other stages in your life? And how okay. Also forgot to ask or have you say how old are you? I am forty. Two. 42. Yeah. Um, Just over the hill. <laughs> so how do you feel, like, compare yourself um, with different phases? Let's say, like, you know, 35, you know, 28, mm-hmm. 22. Yeah. Right. Where, how do you, how do you compare with Brian of those, of those years? Yeah. At the moment, I'm actually really happy with where I am. Um. I'm like, I feel physically more fit than I've been in like a decade, maybe. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, with cardio and just like um, working out, like you were saying the other day, like vanity, like a lot of it truly is that. Yes. Some of it's like boxing out, you need some strength. You don't yes. want to be like too frail or too light or too weak. Yep. Um, but, but just wanting to look good and like fight that dad bod. Yeah. You know, like. I see it, you know, you see, we all see it, like, maybe we have a harder, you know, metabolism and all that, but yeah. it's like, I don't want to succumb to a gut, a pot belly if I don't, if I don't have to have that. Gotta fight it. Yeah, you know, so within my power, if I, if I can do something about it, I'll, I'll try. Yeah. Uh, and I'm in a stage of my life where work-wise, I don't have to work so many hours, so that, that does free up more time um, to be able to, to work out more. So, um, if you were to... Um if you were to draft a team, you were to pick, or you were you were drafting a team, and you had you of like you today on the board available, or you from five years ago available, and you from ten years ago available, who are you picking? Oh, basketball wise. Basketball is basketball. Team. Oh yeah, um, me like ten years was probably a peak. So around thirty, I was still really so I was play. Uh, um, I was in Phoenix briefly, so I played. That volleyball league, yeah, um, and like I, I still think about it. I'm like I still had my hops, yeah, and I could still do what I want to do physically, yeah. Um, so 30 was still a really good age um, athletically. Um, so that's probably peak actually because then I had the that wisdom or the experience of knowing how to play basketball mm-hmm. and volleyball. Mm-hmm. Um, so for example, like when I was 30, I could play middle position, yeah. yeah. Which, which is a, uh, I never played it before, but I loved middle because I could hit left, right, or middle. Awesome. So I had three options and I could see the court better. Yeah. But I never knew that when I was younger. Yeah. Um, and then basketball, um, 30, yeah, is a good age because of you've played so much ball now. So if I'm at LA Fitness and I'm playing 20 year olds, they're flying around the court and they're amazing and I'm really impressed that they can like dribble and shoot like Steph Curry. But they also don't know how to play quite mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. So then a 30-year-old has advantage that, that yeah. to over a 20-year-old um, with your brain, basically. Yeah. So it was like 
it was a peak. You were still very athletic. You still yeah. had your bounce. Yeah. And you had also a little bit more wisdom or some more wisdom than you did when you were younger. Yes. So it was like a, a kind of perfect. So when did you, when do you feel like you lost your bounce or like what was? Yeah, probably around 35. It's probably different for everyone. Um, but like where, yeah, your burst is just isn't there anymore. Like you want it and it's not, you're, you're you know, you ask your body to like sprint and it, it's got a, a third or gear, but it doesn't have a fourth or fifth gear. Yeah. And then clearly for basketball, volleyball, like not having the vertical, you can, it does very easy to see like, oh, I can't touch that anymore. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, and then it ain't coming back. Like you can't train it uh, to come back, I don't think. You could just stem the tide a little bit. But yeah, that you know, I think the burst and the vertical is not coming back. Yeah, I don't feel so bad for you. I didn't have it anyways, so I <laughs> didn't. <laughs> You're lucky to have had it. Yeah, I never had that that um, that that burst or vertical. Um, One thing I wanted to say about um, 42 is like, so I'm still playing basketball at 42. I play with so 35 to let's say 50 year olds. So what's gratifying is, is grading on a curve and you know your own curve and relative to other people. So that is a nice challenge, like a little report card you give yourself like, oh, I'm doing well for my age. I know right. how all these guys are. Right. You're like, I can uh, keep up. I'm keeping up exactly. with these, these slightly younger guys yeah. or so much younger guys. Even though you're a diminished version of yourself, you know that and you, you accept that reality and you're like, hey, I'm okay. Like, I'm playing yeah. well. Of course I'm not jumping and I'm not... Um, you know, doing things athletically that yeah. I used to, but I know that I'm still doing it, and I know that a lot of my peers are no longer playing yeah. basketball. Yeah. So yeah. I know I'm I'm ahead of the game still. I'm always counting my points. <laughs> <laughs> I want to win, but I know how many points I have. It's not a lot, but like I have, I've hit. Well, no, it's a lot. How many? Yeah. Like, what's what's your highest? What's your highest scoring? Highest scoring game this season. So this season I've had a bunch of 20s. I'm always happy if I can get... At first I was like, I want to get the single uh, double digits. Uh, and I'd be happy with that. Now yeah. my my uh, what I'm happy with is tw 20 makes me really happy. Okay. So I had like 27, I think. Okay. And then I was thinking back like my whole life. Like I only... I think I hit 31 one time JV basketball. Uh, so like, you know, it's a lot of points. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of buckets. Or like last week... Um, I counted. I think I made ten baskets, so I'm like, that's pretty good. Like, that's yeah. a lot of, yeah. Twenty. So twenty. Just to put it into context, twenty-seven points. How many? Like, and these games are four ten-minute quarters. Uh, probably four eight-minute quarters. Four eight-minute quarters. So just yeah. thirty-two minutes of basketball. So how many points? What was the final score of the game? Yeah, maybe in the sixties. In the sixties. So you yeah. scored like. 45% yeah. of the points right. for your team. Were you the high scorer yeah. for the game? Yeah. yeah. You guys won. Yeah. And you got the W. Yeah. So the fun thing in our league is that if you get the W and you're the best player, they like take your picture. So like you end up on Facebook. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so I think I've, I've gotten it four times, I think. Where you, I awesome. need that combination of I'm the high scorer and our team won. Um, you could score whatever all you want but if you don't win you're not going to get your picture so. so um i really want to get back to some more dad topics but i'd want to hear more about this too so we'll get back to more dad topics but before we do what are your personal goals in this league are you trying to be M mvp do you want to be the mvp 
Could um, you be the MVP? No. Is there a, an MVP? There's a lot of talent uh, in the leagues. Each team actually is really talented. So one thing I'll say is like people that are still playing in their 40s are really good at basketball because mm. they wouldn't like you know you drop something that you're not good at. Like, yeah. So someone like, or you know how much time so you got to choose. Yeah. So they're like me, right? They like we've been playing for 30 plus years. You know. Yeah. Because you get pretty good. <laughs> yeah. At playing a sport. Yeah. That that many years. And, yeah, I uh, I don't even, you know, I, I admire what other people can do. And, the, you know, I, there's a lot of talented people. So yeah. I'm not even, you know, all that arrogant about what I do. But you enjoy it and you appreciate it. Exactly. Like yeah. the, that you can still do it. So then, okay, when, you know, when are you going to retire from basketball, do you think? Good question. I think, um, well, just what I noticed without talking to like a ton of people but like knees and backs right especially the knees in basketball like a lot of people retire by um the, you know by force like they their knees just won't yeah can't handle the running and jumping yeah that basketball requires and so people are forced into retirement besides all the family and career you know obligations yeah it's just the body cannot won't do it so I'll probably play until the knees give out, I think is what's going to happen. So even if, what if you start to suck? Like, what if you're no good? Are you, or what if you, like, your body still technically works, but you, you know, lost. I'll never suck, Sean. You'll... <laughs> <laughs> so it's when the body gives out. No, I believe in myself too much for that. Like, yeah, you know, actually I've had games that I feel like I sucked and it's very discouraging. But then, like, powered through it, I've, I, and I, I'll teach my, my daughters, I'm like, like, Daddy had a really bad game last last week. I missed a lot of easy shots. And then the next week, I was, like, MVP. Like, yeah. I'm like, that, and that, I'm, I'm preaching to myself and to my kids. Yeah. Like, look, you stick it out. You don't just quit. Like, you don't know, like, the next best, your next best game could be around yeah. the corner. Yeah. Um, and, then, yeah, I've gone into games like, oh, like, I was so bad last week. And then, yeah, it's happened where, like, literally I have a good game, a really good game after a really bad game. That's a good, that's a good pivot. It's a good pivot back to basketball. I know, I know you as a basketball player and that being a big part of who you were growing up and, like, not just your schedule, but also, like, your identity as well. Um, you know, you were always very good at it. And so now I'm curious, what I'm curious to know is um, what that's like then for you coaching um coaching your daughter specifically not just the team but your daughter specifically um you have a lot of insight into basketball you obviously have a lot of insight into her as a person and so whether that be just because you've known her her whole life or even more so to the degree that you know her because she's like you in a certain way so like what is that like coaching this this daughter of yours um yeah it actually presents a lot of challenges so i i coach and i I have them doing basketball or sports because i love it so much but i didn't realize like how the the challenge of it is like like wanting to push them right and like i just talked about like perseverance and, and learning life lessons through sports but like the kids often don't like to be pushed by their own parents like they don't like to hear that you know yeah. it doesn't it doesn't sink in like oh, okay dad yeah yeah you right. had a bad game you had a good game it's like no I have a bad game and I, I hate the sport like it it just makes me feel bad about myself and then like 
I've had to learn, yeah, like how much to push or even like should you push or where to push. Right. Like, and so yeah, even Maureen has had, and she's not an athletic person, but she kind of knows too. It's like, oh, like, like see, mommy knows all this stuff too. Just watching you guys play, she knows uh-huh. like what I'm saying. And we're all, you know, we're all, all the parents, we're all saying the same thing. We see the same stuff. But at that kid level, they don't have the the ability to see what we see and or maybe don't understand what we understand. So what what have like what have you learned or where have you where do you feel like you've um, like in retrospect you've pushed too hard? Um, and also like or and or when, where have you not pushed hard enough? Where do you where do you feel like you you could have or should have pushed harder? I'm I think. My personality is always like on the I push too much side, um, too aggressive with that, and I've really had to learn in the past few years like to stop to pull back on that. Okay. Because I see it in myself, and I would like judge other parents like you push the kid too much like you're ruining the sport for them. So okay. you think you want them to like that sport? Well, the way to to make them quit it is to keep pushing them into that sport. Okay. So you have always like for a long time as a parent you've known you've had this thought like seeing other parents push their kids too hard uh, to the to the point where it, it yeah. sucks the you joy know our, our weakness Sean right is that since the, the advantage of being an adult and is also the disadvantage like you're like, oh I know what you could do like yeah. I see if my child is at this level they could be this if only they did this this is this and what we're not seeing is that it takes seasoning it takes time and at their own pace that they're gonna get there. Whereas if we're trying to push them to that level, yeah. right? Because in our, our minds, like, oh, so easy. Like, you should be able to do that. Yeah. You know? Or why don't you do this, why don't you do that? When they're not ready for that and their bodies will develop, their coordination will develop when it develops. Uh, but sometimes we're too much in a rush to, you know, to elevate them to, to, right? We have a sense of time. What you're saying is we have a sense of the timeline that it's supposed to be. We could have a poor sense of timeline. We could have a poor sense yeah. of timeline. Yeah. Whereas, like, hey, the kid is eight. It's like, in like two years, it'll look like that. But right now, that's that's not going to happen. You pushing is not helping. So, like, let's let's talk a little bit. Let's look at this from, I guess, um, your daughter's, the perspective of your daughter. So, um, like, when did she? When did she start playing basketball? Tell me about her her young basketball career, like what have been kind of the, the milestones yeah, along the way? We probably started at like third grade, second or third grade. Okay. And it was all... Second grade playing basketball. Yes. Uh-huh. So how, how big is the ball? How yeah, high is the ball? They have different... Yeah, exactly. So okay. that's how I know it was around there. It's around second grade because the ball is smaller. There's three sizes, I think. Okay. So you have the smallest size ball. Okay. And then you don't play at the 10-foot rims. You play at the 8-foot rims, okay. which are way easier yep. to get to. Yep. I think third grade or eight years old, seven or eight is when they move up to the ten. Okay. Um, and just thinking back to the early years too, it's like she wasn't good the first season, the first year that we did it. And I think it took probably a year and a half where like, whoa, she went from like kind of very average or below average to she became my best player. And it just happened. But it happened on, on again on her timing, not on my timing. So I'm like, oh, I know basketball. I'm the coach. I should, the coaches, usually the coaches daughter or the coach's son is like really yeah. good because they have their parent is also their coach but um that surprised me and but then see when she got good then 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 i probably start 
applying more pressure and more pressure. Uh, like, see how good you are? I can uh, make, you know, we, yeah. we can get better, we can get better. Yeah. There's so much more, you know, improvement that we can make. So, um, let's, um, okay. Sorry, what else? And where is she at Well, now? so now she does not like basketball. Okay, um, at this present moment, she doesn't yeah, like basketball. we're kind of forcing her to do it because she has decided that volleyball is her primary sport. And um, we just kind of negotiated with her, like, she, since she doesn't want to do an in, a musical instrument or she doesn't want to do voice lessons, then we're like, well, I, we want a second discipline for you. Okay. So she decided, okay, then, then I'll do basketball, but That's by right. her choice. And I think she hasn't used these words, but she might say, dad ruined it for me, or like, dad, um, you know, dad makes it not fun. Um, so I, I think that's what she might say. So, I mean, like, if she, if that is what she would, if that, if she were to indeed say that um, to you, like, daddy, you, I, I think you um, ruined basketball for yeah. me, like, you sucked the joy out of it. Like what? What do you think you would say? I would apologize. I mean, that that'd be kind of heartbreaking. And but I also know it's true. I, I mean, I was the one that just said it. Um, but I don't know that, right? Just made it through mistakes and through hindsight. You know, I'm like I meant well. Yeah. And then I have to go against my nature of like, hey, I'm trying to do what's best for my daughter. And I'm like, you know, it feels good to be good at a sport, and it's the sport is not fun when you're not good. Yeah. So in my mind, I was like helping her. Right. And I may have already, it, it could come back and, you know, it, it, she could have a good season maybe with a different coach and, and end up liking it again. But So you're not coaching her now? Correct. Yeah. So she kind of asked me not, not to. to coach. Oh, yeah. oh, she fired you. Yeah. So Basically. maybe about six months ago, she had a season. She really liked her coach and her coach was really good. She was a female coach. She was like, a, she was about like a senior in high school. So she's a young and actually coached really well for a teenager. Um, She's a senior in high school coach. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah, and I didn't even know it because she was such a good coach, like really technical in the way she was teaching. Uh, she mu- she must have had good coaching. Um, so so anyway, so she had a good experience. Uh, but even then, uh, she had a good experience with this coach. And then when it's time to sign up again for basketball, she wasn't. She didn't really want to do it again. Um, so um, how did that how did that feel? Um, how did that feel like I guess a couple things one that first that she had another coach that she was thriving under and enjoying basketball with like how did that make you feel that's tricky I was very happy that she liked her coach and I liked her coach too but then the dad side of me or the athlete of me is like well and I ended up telling her at the end of the year you might have liked you might like coach Bean but um, I got you being the best player on the court, <laughs> you know, we were you were scoring buckets, yeah, as me as coach, but you didn't like it, yeah. you know, and now you like it, but it's kind of like a teacher that's not straight. Mm-hmm. It's like you kind of need to craft the whip a little bit, so like mm-hmm. it's it's tricky, because and and, and this is my um, arrogance too, but it, I'm like I'm I'm truth telling. I'm like you were scoring a lot, yeah, when you had the ball in your hands and, and you were being assertive and I was pushing you, yeah, and now that you're with another coach, you like it but you're actually not playing as well because another uh-huh. coach can't give you the attention right. that I give you and right. doesn't know your game, doesn't know what you're capable of. And, yeah. um, you know, this coach doesn't know. I don't even know she knows you're a point guard, that you, could, that you, that you can be a point guard. Yeah. Because um, cause part of her nature is that she's, she, you know, she doesn't, she's not assertive and she doesn't speak up. Yeah. But, like, she can handle and she can drive. You know? Yeah. Um, Which, um... 
that coming from you is like what I'm seeing is you know this tension that I experience as well like you besides the timeline like part of having a timeline is also because we think we see um, the the height of their potential like how great they could be and what you just said about Alessia because I know you know we've talked about basketball a lot we talk about basketball like often when we talk um, you said she could be a point guard and that's like you hold the point guard position in very high regard so that's a very high uh-huh. that's a very high compliment of, of yeah. what you think she could be like I asked you I asked you the other day like could you be point guard like what would you do to be point guard uh-huh. do you remember do you remember what you told me I said yeah, yeah. what would you say <laughs> I, I said what, like so Brian one, like, what, would, what would it take for you to be point guard I said I can't I can't train it I can't like I'm just not a point guard and I, I never will be because I don't have the handles the ball control and the vision to see what's open you know, to deliver the ball where it needs to be on time, yeah. in the right angle, you know, to set up my teammates for success. I don't have it. Yeah. So, like, I play, like, selfish ball. Like, I know when I can get mine, and I'll get it when I can. Yeah. And if not, then I pass the ball. <laughs> but, yeah. You're like, but my, but my, so my... she had and I told her, I was like, like, you're being a point guard. You're a good point guard. You're better than me. Yeah. Like, not only at that age, right? Like, if she kept on that trajectory, like, you could be a really good point guard. Um, one thing that the uh, basketball speak is like she could um, go left or her strong weight like me mm-hmm. and then but then she could counter right she's able to do yes, that yes yeah. so she could cross over or spin move to the right because uh, I taught her that I was like you have to have that that second move yeah see that's remember you're talking about like knowing my moves well a good player knows yeah. you know if I could coach my younger version of myself like you have to have a good counter and she could do that yeah and the last thing that she wasn't though is, is being able to like then find a teammate and feed the teammate but no not at that age no girls can do that yeah that's really hard like soccer's probably in the same way like passing yeah. like seeing yeah seeing what's open right you know, what's opening but the fact that she yeah. can like she has the athleticism yeah and the the decision making ability to even make those moves yeah um is is really is really promising right. so yeah. like you don't sound like you've given up really like you sound like you're still you're like waiting you're waiting for something I don't again I'm I I don't want to push too much or I have to like hold myself back because it's just it's not I think not good parenting to keep keep pushing pushing and yeah I'm just realizing my own fault there like of just being too pushy basically it's easier to do nothing sometimes, right? Or, I'm sorry, it's harder to do nothing. Yes, yes, yeah, right. Is what you're experiencing. Yes, that was very hard. <laughs> when you watch your kid play sports, like, it's like, oh, good job, good game, you know, you guys lost, you didn't play well, and, like, not wanting to give them a laundry list of what they did wrong or what they could yeah. do better, right? Yeah, But, yeah, so... It's hard. Myself and Marine, we have to... It's really hard. Rain it in a little bit, yeah. Do you have any, like, specific moments in your coaching of like do you have specific moments like if I could go back and take back that moment when I push too hard there's like any one particular moment or two particular moments or was it more of a general no it's it's like many 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 moments many moments chirping like do this don't do that like during the game after game during practice after practice yeah going to practice like I can't turn it off but I'm like that with myself you know, like, you know, like, if, yeah. if you're an athlete, like, you're very critical of your own performance, 
because I'm yeah. like, because you know, I'll tell Leslie, I was like, you need to know what you did wrong. Right. Like, how do you fix it if you don't know what you did wrong? You can't really laze it, like, yeah. you know, um, so casual about things. Yeah. If you want to be good. Who is, so who is a better sport parent then? Were, were your parents better sport parents or are you a better sport parent? <laughs> uh, and, and describe how your parents, like, how were your parents as a, as, as, um, you know, as parents who were raising a, um, a, a very athletic young boy? Like, I'll tell you, I'll give, I remember, I remember, and this is great because I, I, we go so far back and, uh, I definitely was jealous of you, like your ability, um, to play, like to be so good. But I was also just like, Oh, like, you know, proud to be associated as well. Oh, so both, you. I felt both, you know, and, um, I like competing against you, even though I was probably going to lose. Um, and I sort of learned to embrace that. That was a very good growth thing for me. Like as a person to like not be good, not like to be clearly not as good. Um, and you and I like grew up together, so I was like, you know, we were always together. And that's so, a lot of maturity on your part, Sean, to be able to be to know, have that realization, and still be friends with someone. Yeah, yeah you know, no, it was. Yeah, it was. I mean, you know, I I think that I I probably just loved you know you know I loved loved being your friend and loved playing basketball, and so yeah, you know, figured. It was maybe not, maybe in the end, not that hard. And still at the end, I still had joy from competing. Um, but yeah, it was like, like I definitely always, um, so I, I'm aware of like how good you were even at a young age, right? So I remember you played flag football and you were like, basically you were the kid that was like, I think in, at a young, at these really young levels, it's like the game's always won by one kid. You know, soccer, football, basketball. It's like the one kid on the team who gets it, and you were that kid. Like they would basically just run halfback sweep with you, just give you the ball, and you just score like five touchdowns or something like that. So you were very. I, I give that little tidbit. You're probably like ten, eleven. I, I roughly I remember. So, anyways, that's just context. So your parents here, they have this kid who's their their son who's. Um, a whiz at every sport. Um, I'm sure they knew, and so they they had an athlete in their home. So compare them with you. Like who's who's the better parent athlete? <laughs> oh, and what um, was their approach? How did they how did they how did they handle you as an athlete? Um, I actually don't know the answer to this. Yeah, I think. Um, well, one, it's like just thinking going back to being a kid and, and and liking sports. It's like I think any kid right is gonna like what they're good at. Right, you gravitate towards like you want to feel good about yourself, and that's a good thing, and that's yep. why that's yep. the positive side of sports. So that yep. gives people confidence. Like I coach these girls because I I want to see their growth and help them with that, and then show it to you. Like before you couldn't do that, and now you can. And like I, we're proud of you, and you're, I'm sure your parents are proud of you. Like to see that that instill the growth, especially in girls that that don't naturally love sports. Yeah. You know, uh, to be able to show them tangibly, look at what you're capable of. Um, but anyway, so like, so there's a lot of sports I wasn't good at, right? And then, so then I just didn't play the sports. Like, so I was like, I felt like I had two left feet with soccer. Mm -hmm. like, I ain't playing that. Mm -hmm. That makes me feel bad about myself. Mm -hmm. Golf make me, makes me feel bad about myself, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So there are things I don't um, gravitate towards. But yeah, so the sports that I, I liked was only because I'm good at it and it's just positive reinforcement. Okay. Because you're like, oh, I'm, I'm making buckets or I'm yeah. scoring touchdowns. Um, no, I, I can't compare the two because, so my parents are really hands off, but... 
I had that internal drive, so I didn't need any pushing. Like, you can't push me, like, like maybe with you in academics, like, you don't need anyone, like, prodding you. Right. Or with your right. work, like, you're going to push it yourself. Right. Um, I, what would have helped, I see, is money. If my parents were wealthy and they could have put me in, in these camps. So, like, m my school and me, I was not a wealthy kid. And so sometimes we would play, like, wealthy schools. And like, dang it, we like, why can't we beat them? Uh, well, you know why? Because they're in, they're in club sports. They're like playing tournaments on the weekends. Yeah. You know, they're, um, they have they at these days they would have private coaches, like speed coaches or shooting. Right. They, they have drill, like basketball coaches that that teach you how to dribble, like see you know step back jumpers, like things that like we don't have. And so one thing I see now as a parent is like you can actually buy some of this. Mm like skill um, so that would have been nice it wasn't available to me like once in a while I would get to go to a basketball camp but like I just like was kind of inherently good but it wasn't able to get really good coaching or I see. like a lot of good competition to play against um, that that sometimes I would see rich kids would get yeah and that's the difference and then they have confidence yeah and they go onto the court they're playing my high school and they're like they're not better than us yeah but they beat us all right. the time right uh, so that's one of the hidden advantages or disadvantages that I didn't see as a kid yeah yeah yeah. to a larger I want to bring up like a larger point yeah so I've seen boys I'm thinking of Sawyer I'm thinking of Micah um, friends as uh, younger siblings I'm like they've got an it factor you can see it mm. like he can throw a, um, he can hit the ball like very effortlessly he can yeah. throw a ball he's really fast he's zippy you know yeah a lot of burst but like I think with athletics and coaching kids like one there's the talent that's a big part of the like a third or a quarter of the pie yeah but there's like the parental support financial support would help uh -huh. but then and then support maybe in a bad way too like the parents like i said was being too pushy and maybe you ruin the sport for the kid yeah and then the drive of the kid so that's like there's these things that i see like even if i see a six-year-old you're like oh that could be like a prodigy a lot has to happen between 6 and 18 and they may not get to the finish line of like elite athlete right. that's going to play college ball because their parents ruined it or the parents didn't have the financial support to help them through it or the kid you know is too lazy like there's like kind of a lot of there's the reason why certain kids are special yeah. athletes yeah. because everything a confluence of, of factors that mm. that brought that kid to, to high school level and now they shine you know yeah. But there's a lot of little steps that had to happen, or things to not go wrong, too, right? Yeah. Of why that kid became uh, such so amazing. Okay, that was part one of my interview with Brian. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. Let's get to part two, which, as you'll notice from the background noise, took place at the airport in Austin. I just wanted to ask, because I know you have a lot of thoughts about um, money. Like, I'm obviously, I've known you... <clears throat> our whole life and I, I've always felt like you have a very good practical mind and way to think about things which is why a lot of times like when I will ask you for your opinion on things because it, it really kind of cuts past a lot of noise that maybe tends to distract me so I just wanted kind of like how are you thinking about money um, these days you know how have you evolved in your kind of relationship um, to money and money is just an interesting topic mm -hmm. in general. Mm -hmm. um, as as a dad, like 
you have um, it plays a different role naturally I think because you've got a family mm-hmm. you have to, and it's, it's a necessary thing to figure out in some way so mm-hmm. what's what's kind of your latest thoughts on money yeah I, uh, in terms of like being a dad and parenting I think it's important to like for the kids to have some financial literacy like because I'm not going to be around forever and they need to know like have a competency like oh I know how to, I can handle my bills I know how to save like I'm going to be okay right so it's like you can leave them with like actual hard cat you know cash assets or you can actually teach them this is how to do it and you're going to be fine you know so I think that's an important part of the legacy is that they're responsible with their finances Um, so no matter what income level you are you you have to you know be good at that Uh, and I think that's a skill that I want to slowly again age appropriate teach so that they get it you know and that's a big life lesson that I think, like, I, for example, didn't learn really till maybe college, like, being an economics major. Then they, like, you, you learn stuff, like, oh, that's neat. And then, like, everyone needs to learn this stuff, right? Uh, but, you know, it's like home ec or whatnot is not taught, not taught anymore. So so what, so have you been able, you say age appropriate, so maybe there hasn't been much yet that you can share or that you've found that you're able to share, but have, have you shared some things? I think with? we've, like, tried to, but there's, mm. I, I just think there's certain concepts that they can't or won't understand, like compounding interest or savings for retirement. Like, that's, I think it's too heady, too, mm-hmm. big, you know, it's too theoretical, too impractical yeah. to teach a child that, like, yeah. they're thinking about their growth and being a teenager. <laughs> like, right. So they have no concept of what 30 years from now looks like, 40, 50, 60 years. Um, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, I, I agree. Probably too much for them to digest mm-hmm. compounding interest. Yeah. So and other concepts. Like, but what about, do they have an allowance? Yeah, so we, we talked about that this year. You know, we had a family friend that was like, oh, you could do family allowances like um, your age, let's say eight years old, so $8 a week. Okay. Know? And then that was just kind of a, you know, someone made that up. But then we're like, well, but our eight-year-old has no expenses. So we intended to give her $8 a, a week, but it's like she doesn't have anything to spend it on. You know, and like, so, but then my 11 year old now, like she walks home from school mm-hmm. and they might stop at the grocery store or they, she might get a smoothie mm-hmm. and she can actually burn through that cash mm-hmm. and then it's good. And she gets to rewarded for doing her chores and, and learning something about scarcity of it. Like, oop, hey, she has Apple cash. Yeah. It's like, oh shoot, I only have 10, you know, $5 left. Like, right. So at least they're seeing she has to feel something. They're seeing yeah. the subtraction addition. $11 a week and then she's seeing the, the minus so which is good that alone that arithmetic is like right. kind of good to see right um, and she could see how far her dollar goes correct correct yeah and so yeah so how, how long has she had an allowance for uh, we just started a few okay. months ago yeah. okay but it's been great because um, like I saw them at the store and they like you know they had actual cash yeah. but then they end up with all this change it's like, oh, this is a mess. Yeah. So we learned, like, just do the Apple Cash. And, like, okay. everyone accepts it. Okay. And I can, you know, shoot it to her phone. She, like, asks for it if I forget. And then I, you know, just do yeah. it digitally. And then it's easy. Yeah. And then I can see what she's spending. So um, what are you seeing so far? Do you have a sense for, like, is she, um, does she sort of have a, a, a taste for the finer things already? Or is she... Um, you know, 
really thrifty like her dad. She, she would be, but when she sees the final, when she sees the constraint, it's like, oh, I have X amount in my account. Then, you know, then yeah. it's like, it's force, it forces you to be like, oh, I can't just get whatever I want. Right. And that's the point, right? All right. But like previously, because I, you know, I kind of gripe about um, my in-laws, like their way of love is just buy it, like buy it for them, buy it for mm-hmm. them. Buy it. I'm mm-hmm. like, and that shows love in a sense of like, oh, my grandparents buy me everything. But my problem with that is like, but it doesn't teach them anything. It yeah. teaches them actually that it's just easy. Like you just get what you want. Right. And then that's a bad habit that I don't, you know, even if we had the money, like I sometimes say no, just yeah. they need to know that the answer is not always yes. Yeah. 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 Like, I'm going to bring you into the toy store just to exercise this muscle of hearing no and us walking out of here. Yeah. But sometimes <laughs> you don't get everything you want. Right. But then with grandparents, often they like to spoil it. So it's always, the answer is always yes. They never say no. Yeah. Like they have no concept of like, you know. Right. What, what's this doing to them long term right right yeah. yeah so I do appreciate obviously their love of giving and their yeah. generosity but I'm like but, and that maybe their their job is to love that way but my job is to teach yep yeah. yep no totally um, maybe we grab our grab your bag I think that his his oh. wife might sit there <clears throat> I, I can put it here oh, okay. yeah um, so um yeah, I I um, I feel the same way. Um, I try to, you know, make sure that they they don't just get whatever they want. But with the grandparents, I'll use the grandparents to like spoil them. Because of mm-hmm. course I do want to spoil them, but I want them to experience being spoiled like mm-hmm. in a different mm-hmm. in a different sleeve. Like mm-hmm. this is just the special grand. This is just a special grandpa treatment. Like, you don't expect this from me. Yeah. Like, oh, you're getting away with something. You know, that's because you're with him. Yeah. Like, I'll tell my dad, like, go ahead. Like, yeah. spoil them. Get them what they want. Because uh-huh. I'm, I'm the one to say no. Uh-huh. They're going to get, they get plenty of no from me. Mm-hmm. Let's get yes. You know, they can get yes from you. Cool. Yeah. And that actually builds a bond or love. That for yeah. grand, right. Grandpa right. Then grand. they can, yeah, that's special. That's special. So, but another thing too, you know, that I want to get your thoughts on are, um, you know, with, re- with regards to money, because what you just described, you know, you're, you have, um, an intention of, um, helping your kids understand the constraints of money, right? How money works, what it's like to have money, um, even a small amount of money and, just to get a first-hand experience with it so that they can understand it. But then, when you and I were growing up, you know, I think our parents probably had some real constraints. Like, it wasn't a choice. You have a choice. You could, mm-hmm. you could spoil mm-hmm. your kids and Correct. you could buy them whatever they ask for. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever sweet or toy that just happens to pass in front mm-hmm. of them. Mm-hmm. Our parents probably had some real constraints. So, like, how do you think about that? Like, what, why, like, maybe if our parents had that kind of money, maybe they would have spoiled us more. But what do you, what, compare, I guess, the challenge for you of teaching money versus the challenge that your parents had? Yeah, and maybe so, give a little background, like mm-hmm. your parents. What was the financial situation yeah. for your family growing up? Yeah. 
So I think we grew up like lower middle class. It's probably what we were. So right, and so in a way, sort of, it's kind of easier. Like it's like, oh, we don't have money, so the answer is no, you can't have that. You know, and then oh, if we can afford it, then yes, you can have it. And it kind of makes sense for the the parent and the child. Like oh, I get it. Like we don't have a lot of money, and so often the answer is no. And it's not that oh, you have it and you're withholding. Like mm. that actually feels worse. If the child knew that, that would that would feel worse. But if the child understands that oh, we, we there's a lot of things we don't have that, that we don't get that other people get because mm-hmm. we ain't rich, mm-hmm. and they they kind of know that, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But now what happens if you're upper middle class, upper class? Then you're like shoot. Then. Um, my my big fear is that what if the the standard of living right what if our kids cannot match our standard of living right okay and that's a then there it's going to be a letdown for them right so for me it's the opposite it's like i've i've told you sean like my life is like far exceeded mm. my upbringing so everything is gravy everything is awesome i love it but if it was the opposite i can imagine that doesn't feel good be like hey i used to you know, I'm used to a certain standard of living. So that's why I like try not to. Mm. That's why that lifestyle creep is kind of dangerous because it's like, even though we can afford it, um, it's weird. Like, let's say maybe Maureen and I, if, if we went to a nice dinner, but we're going without the kids. Yeah. A, because they won't appreciate a nice dinner, but like yeah. we may appreciate the luxuries or finer things in life, but like kind of sheltering them from that. Right. Then because of my fear of like, I don't want, because if they want to be like a, a teacher, like then I want you to be a teacher and not be like oh no I can't do that because it doesn't make as much as what I'm used to what my parents used to you know like right. so then that it so it's smaller I, I see I, I fear that yeah you know yeah so then I want to keep them at a, like a reasonable standard of living so that it may not be a big letdown if they don't have a high income yeah. high, high paying job I yeah I, I I can definitely I can definitely relate to that um I think in a way, what I'm hearing you say also is like the constraints that you that you lived under, sort of the financial reality that you lived under growing up lower middle class um, are kind of are kind of a gift in a way. Like it allows, it gives you the ability to enjoy um, kind of the things that come with a better financial situation. Mm-hmm is what you are in now compared with yeah. where you were growing up and so with, now you have to like if that's a gift and you basically like you talk you put it in terms of fear mm-hmm. I'll put it in terms right now of like you're trying to give your kids a, the gift of mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. feeling like you get to enjoy yeah. and appreciate what what you have yeah yeah so I, w- I would like I, I'm trying to avoid a step down in life for them. That, oh, my adult was a step down from my upbringing. I just imagine that would be a, a crappy feeling. So uh, I'll, I'll share, like, my um, father-in-law. So he grew up, like, dirt poor in the Philippines. And so he always views it as a negative. Okay, like, oh, that was awful. I don't want my grandkids to feel that way. So I've got money, and so I'm going to burn it. Like, I'm going to use it. Yeah. They, they want it, they're getting it. I'll buy two of them they ask for one but I'm like I see his actually his upbringing as a positive in his life yeah because it it caused him to make really good choices and work hard to get to where he is now in retirement but like would that have happened I know everyone's different right but like that silver spoon could be like a curse and that um, you know that struggle as in early life 
is a blessing. Yeah. It can be a blessing, depending yeah. on how you see it. So I know I see it differently. I look at it like we need some. Uh, I think of the term called force scarcity. So it's mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. like manufactured right. scarcity is what right. we would have to do. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and it, so we have to be we have to be deliberate about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Uh, that's that's an additional wrinkle. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think. So, what's your sense of their understanding of their family finances? Like, do you think your older one understands, has an understanding of? Are you guys middle class, rich, poor? Does she have a, a sense? You think? I think so. I think um, they, you know, they hear a lot. Or they catch a lot of what Marina and I talk about, and I am pretty pleased with what I hear from them. Like, like I don't feel, I don't hear like entitlement or, or that they're spoiled or, um, you know, like I, I'm comfortable with where their headspace is at and their knowledge up to this point so you know yeah so my fears of them you know like for example like if they wanted something like something extravagant like we would laugh laugh out loud like <laughs> like that's crazy you know so it's like trying to like te- you know um, temper their grand del- delusions of like right of like this like fancy lifestyle yeah. And I will tell them, like, when we were growing up, like, we didn't have this and this and yeah. this. And, you know, yeah. I stayed at a Motel 6 or whatnot. You know what Motel 6 you know, meant? So, like, when they want fancy hotels, something like that. Like, um, yeah. Just trying to ground them a little bit. Right. And they get right. it. Yeah. How are you different as a dad versus how your dad was a dad? Like, what's, what, what do you see as the differences? Or, like, what was, what was he like as, as, a, as a dad to you? Like, how do you like looking back? How do you think he operated? Mm-hmm. What was mat- What mattered to him? You know, I think I had, I, I had a great dad. Um, so I think probably a lot of what I do, I, I didn't really realize until he asked me. Is like I probably emulate a lot of what his style was in terms of teaching and loving and caring for us. Um, you know, trying to have fun and you know, be your friend but be your dad. You know, be a father figure at the mm-hmm. same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, be a spiritual leader so I try you know yeah. it's hard like I, I I know I don't I just try my best and yeah. that's all I can do <laughs> yeah no that's yeah um, uh, but like the challenges like, I don't see well I didn't see it with my dad but I, I know like previous previous generation like men were not as like touchy-feely or very communicative um, but I think my dad was, always was so, yeah. so I didn't have that but I know there's a coldness that used to be there yeah um, from yeah especially our culture like East Asian culture mm-hmm. you know um, you know obviously our our dads have a shared background both grew up in Singapore mm-hmm. and I think interestingly you know what you talk about like kind of basically affection you know traditionally for sure in Chinese culture um, dads are not showing affection but then um, both of our dads were actually pretty affectionate guys like mm-hmm. I kiss my dad goodnight every night mm-hmm. um, growing up and you know hugs and I love yous and stuff like mm-hmm. that so we were, we were kind of fortunate and one time my dad uh, explained to me like how he was kind of like on 
just on the other side of a cultural dividing line mm. where um, just a few years prior maybe he would not mm. have been one a, the type of dad to show affection so mm-hmm. my uncle my dad's older brother mm-hmm. not an affectionate mm-hmm. dad mm-hmm. but my dad mm-hmm. younger yeah. more western influence mm-hmm. in his life um he went to you know uh, during his education in singapore he did um, go to a catholic school mm-hmm. at some point so he had that kind of that western culture just mm-hmm. on the other side of that dividing line invisible dividing line in history so both of our dads were kind of on on that side kind of affectionate dads is there a dad and maybe in particular not necessarily maybe in particular like a dad you've met just barely in passing or dad you've seen even from afar that you're like you've been impressed with that dad's mm-hmm. that dad's dad game yeah you know and and tell me about this tell me about this dad what is it that you admire about this dad yeah i'll share i thought about that last night because i remember you're saying you wanted um i'm gonna refer my friend grady to you okay um he's a father of two sons and i i I, i've heard him say it a couple times when like he's been complimented like oh grady you're such a good dad he's like ah it's like it's because it's such a low bar like or like people have such a low bar for dads you know Mm -hmm. and so like basically i'm not I'm just a normal dad, but then people think that's a good dad, you know. Uh, and he's 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 you know minimizing yeah. his um, dadness. No, go, no, go ahead. Yep. He's minimizing his dadness, but people see in him like, hey, you're a good dad. You're very involved. I think that's probably what what they like about him. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. He also has a an occupation. He's like an illustrator, okay. and so he is, is like work flexibility. Okay. So I think he can. Yeah. you know be more involved with his kids like with sports and other things um, but yeah I'll I think he I think he'd be receptive to awesome to talking to you awesome it, like paint a picture paint a picture for me of like mm-hmm. you know obviously you don't know you, you probably don't know like the, all the details of you know what what Grady's mm-hmm. kind of dad life is but what do you imagine mm-hmm. he's doing like mm-hmm. how do you think he gets the job done how do you think he gets his dad job done? Well, okay, I think because he's, um, first of all, he's very likable. He's like, we live in a small town, and it's like he's, if you're like hanging out with him, like people are always saying hi to him because mm. he's uh, got this big beard, he's very recognizable and friendly, gregarious, warm person, which is kind of atypical for a man. Like, he's not like stoic and like. Mm unapproachable he's like kind of a happy go lucky mm. you know friendly dude mm. neighborhood guy um, but I think what maybe people see in him is like he plays Mr. Dad role uh, Mr. Mom role mm. like mm. meaning sometimes they see things in him and I think that's why they point it out um, so oh he's um, a really good cook mm. you know like whoop up dinner for his family mm. and then like, oh, that's awesome that's, exactly you know, that's awesome that's he's like, like, yeah. he's <laughs> and, like, and he's like no I <laughs> I cook pasta that I like and you know like so he'll like kind of downplay it um, but yeah just taking care of maybe duties that are maybe more traditionally female um, or you know mom thought of yeah. thought of that way yeah and so then people catch it and then they like they want to like praise him yeah. for that yeah um, yeah and just they try to compliment him and, um, that's awesome yeah and his deflection is like oh it's 
people think so 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 lowly of dads. Right. But that's why. <laughs> I'm just average. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot. There's there's a lot of um, there's a lot of dads doing some really really good work out there. Like you. Like you. You're doing doing good work. So. Same-ish. No, we're now like I like Grady says we're just average, you know. <laughs> I look forward. I look forward to meeting. I look forward to meeting Grady. Um, so like it just one more one more thing then about just since we're talking about this dad, I I think it's just great for dads to to rec- to you know take time to recognize other dads and you know, the great job they're doing. Like, what's something about Grady that you're like I want to emulate or I'd like to add that to my playbook as a dad or I hope I can do more of that is there anything specific that you want to emulate with him um, I think maybe just being present and spending time with your kids um, making time mm-hmm. so you know like we know like our time's short and they're good they grow up so fast so it's like just your presence is yeah. like important you know being there showing up and being consistent with that so you know yeah I think being selfless with your time yeah you know, the, yeah that's awesome yeah. no that's uh, that's a good that's a good that's a great one to emulate <laughs> alright anything else anything else you wanna <laughs> we covered a lot Sean. we covered a lot I'm we gonna turn that mic on, on you. <laughs> no 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 that's why I'm doing this because I don't wanna answer these questions and make everybody else answer these questions Okay, episode one of the Dad Bod is in the history books. Thank you to everyone for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode and that it brought a little something positive to your life. Special thanks once again to today's guest, Brian, Coach Girl Dad, for sharing his story. If you like what we're trying to do with the Dad Bod, hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and post up a positive review. If you know a dad who would be great for the show, go to thedadbodpod.com and tap the refer dad button. Thanks again for listening.